from the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgate. Here's Johnny. Where did he go? Oh, man, RP. I had it all lined up, man. Ray Podcast with Ranger Proud. Uh, in between games, we'll talk some hockey, man. Right back. All right, let's, let's do it again. There he goes. There he goes. Here's Johnny. Ranger Proud. You know my Edmund man voice. What? Johnny Carson. Ranger Proud. Oh, you're going to do my just voice in Johnny Carson. People don't even know who Johnny Carson is. <laughs> <laughs> just make me feel older and older, you son of a bitch. Older. Great. Good and say Jimmy Fallon or something. Jimmy Kimball. No. Johnny Carson. I just said Ronnie Dangerfield. I got no respect. Right? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to do that for that. I like that one. I like Ronnie Dangerfield. I'm going to have to do that one. That's, that's, no, let me, let me look at that this weekend. No, that's a good one. Let me, I'm going to have to remind myself. All right, man. Lead the way, sir. You know, we got Scott and Glenn with us. Go ahead. Lead the charge, man. Oh, I got my notes ready. Yeah, Scott it's and your Glenn. show. You know, you do your thing, man. Uh, we got royalty tonight. How's it going, boys? Scott, Glenn, are you there? Three. Yes, I'm here. Good to hear from you, RP. Good to hear you, Steve. Nice introduction, and uh, I hear you got your notes together, so it sounds like we got some conversation to be had tonight. Yeah, I actually wrote notes out for this one. I figured I might as well know what the hell I'm doing. So we're going to do things a little bit differently because I want to hear your input on things because our head coach had some interesting comments today. So let's just do a quick recap. The Rangers in our last two games since we've spoken, one and one, they took a little bit of a beating against the Bruins, losing 3-1. to one. We beat up on the Panthers yesterday, 6-2. to two. And that's where my conversation comes in, guys. Today, the Rangers recalled Will Kiley. They sent down Sammy Blaze for conditioning purposes. We'll get a little bit more into what that means later. And then the topic of Kraftstoff came up. And the reason why it came up is people were asking, will Kiley be in the lineup tomorrow night? And... If I'm reading these quotes correctly, let me just find it here a second. Our head coach was not too impressed with how Rostov has played. He wished he would finish his checks off a little bit. He wished he would score a little bit. Um, he's not built as a fourth-line player and really needs to be into the top nine, which, as we all know, he was there a couple of times, and he has struggled. So, Scott and Glenn and Steve, what I want to know from each of you guys is, does it sound like Kraftstall's on his way out? Uh, well, oh. well, I guess I'll start. Um, Go ahead, Scott. I don't know. Um, and, you know, like like we've talked about, uh, I know Glenn agreed with me on this a few weeks ago, we've talked about, you know, it, it just sucks with the situation he's in because he should be in his third year. He should have gotten all of this the adjustment, the the rookie stuff, the the you know the the flutters, the you know the the rookie jitters, all the, the mistake, all of that crap should have been gone. He should be in his third year, and then we'd know if he's a bust or not. You know, we can't call him a bust. We, we you know, and, and, but it sucks because now the team is on the clock. Now the team is looking to win the Stanley Cup, and if you you know if you're going to be in the top nine, you better you know 
belong in the top nine. He may very well be in the top nine, you know, two two years from now, three years from now. You know, if he is on his way out, it could be like another Buchnevich situation where whatever team he goes to next, next time he is putting up 40 goals, you know, that might be the case. But, but the Rangers are ready to roll now, and all of this crap is very frustrating. And I know, you, you know, crying over spilt milk, et cetera, but – it sucks because we sh- we should know what we have by now, and we don't. And it's not really fair. Well, I don't want to say it's not really fair to him, but I mean it is because he's the one who put himself in this situation uh, with his attitude the last couple of years. So I, it's a very awkward spot that Gallant the Rangers are in because you, you know it, it is it's his rookie year, whereas it really shouldn't be. We should know what we have in him by now if he is if there is a, a legit spot on this team going forward and you know they're looking to put a Stanley Cup contender on the ice um you know come trading deadline and if I had to guess if I was the GM I'd be looking to move him because you know he's not you know he's not a fourth line guy like you said RP but he is not ready to be on the top nine of a Stanley Cup contender, and this team wants to put a Stanley Cup contender on the ice come trading deadline. So it's a very tough spot for everyone involved. I I would say trade him. The good news is is he has shown he can be NHL caliber. So if we were to, you know, he he could now be a piece in, uh, you know. Uh, 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 a seller at the deadline, like a Chicago or a San Jose and, uh, or whatnot, you know, a team that's looking to get some, some young talent to build around that, you know, at zero cost, um, you, you know, so now he might have some trade value. And I would have to say, you know, trade him uh, only because, you know, if this was two years ago when we were not there yet, then yeah, let's see how it plays out. But I would have to say at this point, if we want to be a contender come trading deadline, because we're not, um, you know, this is not as good of a team as it was last year after the deadline, the team that went to the conference finals and had a 2 nothing lead in the conference finals. This is not that team. Um, they could be. I think they're one, maybe two moves away from being that team, just like the last deadline. But right now, they're not. And I would say <clears throat> start, you know, in those GM calls, I would say start, uh, start throwing his name around. It's a shame, but that's where it is. Uh, I, I agree. Glenn? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I I agree with Scott. I mean, it's just the, the timing of this isn't right uh, because, you know, they've, you know, they've gotten themselves to a point now where they are uh, looking to win a cup in the next year or two, and, and the time of experimenting with Kravtsov is gone. And, you know, you kind of blame the Rangers. You kind of blame Kravtsov for what's happened over the last three years. Uh, because he could have gotten that playing time. I mean, we know last year, if he had just gone down to Hartford, he would have been back up in a week playing a regular role because of injuries. So, um, you know, that was the time to to really put him on a line, give him the time, see what we got. But now the window is, is wide open because of, the ages of, of some of the veterans on this team. I mean, don't get me wrong. This team's got a lot of youth, and they're going to contend for years. They'll they'll make up, you know, uh, what they have to uh, do uh, player wise uh, as the years go on. So they're they're you know, it's not like the window is open and it's going to close in a year or two necessarily. But they're looking to win now. And the problem is, you can't have 
Kraftsov obviously on a fourth line. Uh, I think we had both said we thought he was playing a little bit better. He seemed to be a little bit better uh, with the pace, with the, the hitting, with the timing of, of, of the game uh, the last couple of weeks, but still not enough to be playing uh, a top six or even a top nine role, especially if the, uh, the, you know, the kid line stays together. Um, you know, Gallant a little bit, he's making my head spin with all these line moves, with all these line changes. Um, you know, I, I mean, every game is, I feel like I got to see who's playing with who. Um, that fourth yeah. line, it seems like there's somebody new on the fourth line every game. Um, you know, now we got LeCision. Now Blaze goes down. Brzezinski goes on waivers. He's down. Boutier is back. I mean, it's just, it just, it seems like that fourth line just has no continuity at all. And they've got the, the components, you know, they've got four or five guys to make up a good fourth line. Uh, Kravtsov should not be one of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that what's going to wind up happening is Kravtsov is not going to be on this team at the deadline, um, you know, which is a shame, but okay. I mean, it, it, if you move him, you know, Cully is up now. Uh, Othman is, is, you know, on the way next year or the year after, probably next year. So um, it's not like we're, uh, you know, uh, going to have a gaping hole if they move crafts off. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, like let the Patrick Kane and the Timo Meyer rumors go on because I, I got a feeling they're going to do something big at the trade deadline and crafts off is going to be involved. I agree. Steve, what you got? Yeah, man. Um, the guys make great points. And uh, and when I watch these games and watch Vitelli Kratzoff play, and I think marginally he's doing a margin, you know, a little bit better than uh, what he has done when he was in his first stint with the team and back and forth to Russia. But uh, I don't think it, it is honestly. If, if Gallant is calling him out for finishing checks, I mean, there's nothing that's jumping off my screen or even at, at games to see that he's putting that kind of uh, finishing effort. Uh, on these uh, on the bottom six, so I, I think it's kind of saying more about if you're saying Cody's coming up to play, where you got, you got a lot of potential. This is a guy who had a little, good, some good production in the under twenties with the uh, Canada tournament. Uh, even going back to what two years ago in Windsor, he had an eighty point season. I mean, let's see what let's see what somebody else can do. We know we've kind of had enough of a sample size to an extent with Kratzoff. Uh, is it, I mean, us Ranger fans, we we look at his age, the talent wise, and all that, as far as his potential. But but like Scott said, this is win now mode. You have assets to get into win now mode. You haven't won a Stanley Cup in almost what twenty nine years. So at this point, why not look at somebody else who could come in and see what they could do? This is about. Uh, I, I don't jump in like I, I can tell all the other guys on the other shows. Like I'm not really in that rumor mill who we should get or or acquired. I kind of like look right. at it logically. Okay, what we need, what, what's going to fix, let the general manager fix, uh, figure that all out. Because of all those moves he made last year, I don't think no, none of the Ranger fans or media press saw those coming. And, you know, a cop, uh, uh, a Toronto guy like that. So I say all this to say with Krasov, uh, I would have been more a little bit more patient, but I understand that this team wants to win and win now, and they need to. Uh, the window is kind of, I would say it's closing, but you start, in, in the NHL salary cap area, it, nothing's never guaranteed. You could get something back 
for him and let him fly somewhere else. Like like Scott said, I mean, sometimes it's, you know maybe a better start would be better for him. You know, so plus we got other guys that we got to take a look at too and see what talent they bring to the table. So I don't necessarily have an issue with it. And if it, and I and I and I take the coaches. Uh, uh, word for what he's seeing and what he wants out of him, and he's probably just not the skill set for what the coach wants. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. With, with all three of you said, I I've never been a biggest Kravtsov fan. I think when he was in the KHL and in the AHL, he never lit up the scoreboard the way he was predicted to when he got drafted. Um, I agree. He, he's not a fourth line player, but I don't think he has a fit on the team, and I think that's what the Rangers have to sort of determined in the next two weeks. And, and the reason why I say in the next two weeks is really quick. Stanley Blaze was sent down on a agreed-upon condition incident, meaning the Rangers asked him, would you go down and play for two weeks just to get some ice time? Uh, Gallant wants him to work on the power play a little bit. He wants him just to get more ice time to get more involved. Going down for two weeks only, he was eligible not to be placed on waivers to be sent down to the AHL. But mind you, in two weeks' time, he has to come back up or be placed back on waivers. So Kylie's going to get a little bit of a two-week window here to see what he can do. And I guess to an extent, Kraftstab's going to get an opportunity once he gets back into the lineup. And though it's not confirmed that he will be the one scratched tomorrow night, based on the comments Galant said today, I'm, I'm thinking he's leaning that way. Um, really quick, we'll go around quick. Scott, today, right now, who's better, Jimmy VC or Kraftstab? I don't know about better, but if you subbed out who's, who's more more valuable to the team, I would say VZ. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you say, Kravtsov doesn't really doesn't have a fit for this team the way we're doing it. I mean, I, I wanted to see, um, you know, a second line of. Uh, whether it's Trocheck or preferably uh, Heedle with uh, Panarin and Kraftsoff for a couple of weeks and, and see, uh, you know, how that went. But, you know, I guess the coach doesn't really want to do that. And I think at this point, the way this team is structured, uh, that VZ is just a, a better fit and a, a more important, uh, more effective player on the team right now than Kraftsoff would be. Now, I'm not saying that VZ is a better player, and Kraftsoff. I, I don't know that because we know what VZ is. We don't know what Kraftsoff is. Uh, but I, I would say at this point in time, from what I've seen and the way the team is structured and how Gallant wants them to play, I think VZ's got to be in a lineup and Kraftsoff would be the odd man out. Steve? I totally agree with the gentleman, man. They're right on point. is uh, the better fit for this, this year's roster. Uh, Kraftsoff may have better overall potential, a better ceiling. But as far as fit for the current 2022-2023 season, it's Jimmy Vesey. And the irony in your question, RP, both of them are in second stints with the Rangers. So Uh (laughs) Vesey's making the most out of his uh, return. And it seems like once a week, Jimmy Vesey over the last month have shown a little bit of impact, a lot more impact in key plays in games uh, towards Rangers wins uh, than Vitaly Krasov. So, Jimmy Vesey, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Vesey is the better player right now, the more reliable player. 
and, and two things just leading into my next conversation. Um, the reason why Trocek is no longer playing with Panarin is Kawant was not happy with that unbalanced of the two. He just did not think that them two were hitting it off. I, I think he truly thought Trocek would fill in for Strom, and that chemistry is not there. And that's why you're seeing the lines the way they are. And, and speaking of the lines, you look at the lines that scored six goals last night against the Panthers, and, and really quick, it was Lizzy Centering, Panarin, Kreider, the kids' line, Trocek with VC and Goudreau, and Lecisions with Kraftstorff and Gutierrez. Uh, the top three lines all had at least one goal. Mika had two, and Fox had the other. So you would think, all right, it was a 6-2, but it wasn't the crispness of hockey games. I'm sure you guys would all agree. And the coach wasn't happy with it. And he said after the game, he wasn't overly happy most of the night. Because you win 6-2, and you still question your lines again. We'll see what happens tomorrow. This was post-game last night. Now, today, he kept the same line, except he added uh, Kyle played with the fourth line, rotating in and out with both Gutierrez and Kraftstoff. So I guess I'm asking, are we missing something? Because sometimes I think that Gallant is juggling lines more than Elaine Vigneault, which I didn't think was quite possible. Or is he a good enough coach to see all the mistakes that we're missing? What do you guys think about that? Whoever wants to jump in. Well, first. I mean, I, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I would say, and we talked about this, that, uh, you know, Gallant has a shelf life of about two, two and a half years. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not just, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna get into that. I'm just gonna kind of go by what I see, you know, as, as just in this situation. And, and again, I'm a proponent of put lines together and give them a chance. I don't know how you can expect any lines to have uh, any kind of chemistry if you 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 know after a period or two you decide it's not working and you switch it up again. And that's what seems to be happening right now. I mean, we're more than halfway through the season, this kind of stuff is for the first half of the season. I I feel like this should have been figured out by now, and all this moving around shouldn't be, you know, happening. Um, you know, yeah, Mika had two goals, Panarin had three assists last night. All right, great, but I I also don't really feel like I want to be so top heavy, you know. Uh, so. I, I want to have the, the scoring a little more sprinkled out. As far as Trocek goes, hey, you guys know I liked Ryan Strome, but I thought Trocek was an upgrade. And you never know uh-huh. what you never know what makes chemistry between a couple of players and, and why they can't develop a, a chemistry. Uh, but I agree. For some reason, it seems like uh, Trocek and, and Panarin just aren't hitting it off. And we're, you know, almost 50 games into the season now. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be against uh, having Heedle be the second-line center. And I said last week that you know Heedle is showing that maybe we didn't even need to go out and get Trocek and spend that uh-huh. money because um, I think Heedle could be on the second line with Panarin and, you know, whoever else you want to put over on the right wing uh, and then have a third line of Trocek, Kreider, if you want to move uh, Lafreniere up. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Austin's a left wing too, let us not forget. So, you know, next year somebody is going to have to play right wing if Hoffman makes the team. So, uh, 
you know, why not, you know, do it now? I mean, Lafreniere, yeah, it hasn't worked. But, you know, you give him a couple of games, it doesn't work, and then we're moving him back again. And we're, I mean, I think we're screwing up with him too. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, all this line changing and everything is just really, it's making my head spin. And, and I feel like a lot of this should have been settled by now. Uh, you know, you got to move guys around because of an injury or something, that's fine. But, um, you know, I, I think that he's just not giving these players enough time together to develop a chemistry, and that's why they don't have any. Uh, so, uh, you know, from that standpoint, like you say, you didn't think anybody could do it more than Elaine Vino did. But, I mean, it seems like period by period you have to look and see who's playing with who. And uh, uh, that, that, you know, concerns me a little bit that we're this far into the season and, and we don't have that together yet. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you, Glenn. I think um, you, you know that fourth line was playing so well. As soon as they dealt Reeves, and I made a point yeah. of saying that Gutierrez, I think, had two goals in like four or five games, which is a great number for a fourth line. You know, you had Gutierrez, uh-huh. Brzezinski, and um, I forgot who the third one on that line was. Maybe Blaze. Um, but they were uh, noticeably yeah, faster. What's that? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, they were play. noticeably faster. They were competing with other teams, and they were beating other teams' fourth lines. And I made a point of saying how noticeable that was after what Tampa's fourth line did to us in the playoffs last year. And, you know, I loved it. Now all of a sudden Brzezinski's on waivers, and, and everybody's different. We're bringing up a new guy. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Um, you know, and they're bringing up a left wing where right wing is clearly the issue. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'm starting to uh, not not lose faith. That's too strong of a of a term, but uh, just question, uh, you know, what Galan. Now, yes, he could use a couple more pieces. Um, he had all the pieces last year, come playoff time, and Eric, you know, come trading deadline, and and that worked out well. Um, you know, he he is short a couple pieces, but it, 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 it's just too much playing around um yeah you, you got to give these guys more than one shift or one game to, to 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 try and gel a little bit and i i thought that fourth line was great but now you know that's there's a different pieces there every game um mm-hmm. you know i love i've been saying this i love the kid you know yes two two of those guys caco and lafreniere should be on the top six i get it but right now that kid line you know, there's no reason to break them up. I mean, they are so dynamic mm-hmm. when they're together. I really wish Steve a couple of weeks ago uh, when it was just you and me, we were talking about that, how, because that, uh, that kid line, um, how they should absolutely get more power play time. Like I get it. If, if, if you're in the attacking zone for a minute and a half before the other team clears, then obviously you're not going to make a line change. But I, I think if the other team makes that makes that clear with, you know, 50 seconds gone by, uh, and a minute 10 to go, change him up. I mean, you know, he, he's way too dependent on that first line and the power play. And, yes, they finally got another one of the uh, the Panarin disadvantage had one-timers last night, uh, which was great to see. But for the most part, it's not working. Um, the teams are on to that. The goalies are getting over way too quickly. Uh, I do want to point out that last night was very refreshing because we were outshot 30, 35 to 26 
and got six goals. Um, and it was very, you know, it was refreshing. It was refreshing that we played a no-name trash goalie and for once <laughs> did not put him in the Vesna conversation for one night. We made <laughs> That's right. Have a terrible <laughs> night like a no-name trash goalie is supposed to do. So yep, yep. I just want to point out, I want to give the team credit for that. They played a, you know, a terrible goalie, and they abused him, which they never do. They always put these no-name trash goalies, case in point, Deming, uh, last year, in the Vesna conversation. So very mm-hmm. impressive to do that. Um, and I want to answer one of my own questions from the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, I had said, okay, what are we, what are we going to get with Kreider? Yes, I'm bringing back the Kreider conversation because my question, mm-hmm. um, you know, hypothetically uh, speaking at the time was uh, not, not have rhetorical, uh, that would be the word. Um, wh- are we going to, was last year the anomaly uh, and, and we're, you know, he just went way above, you know, overachieved for what we expect from Kreider. Or was that the finally got that, you know, the, the, the demons out of his system and, and, and moving forward for, you know, for the rest of his career. And I, I got to say, I think last year was the anomaly. You know, I was looking, I was just looking at the stats, 30 points, 19 goals, 11 assists. Now he should finish with 35, 40. If he can get to that 40 mark, um, that would be impressive because that would mean turning it on a little more in the second half. But, you know, and, and again, that goes to the power play time to show just how ineffective he's been because he's getting a minute and a half of power play time on every power play uh, and still only has 19 goals. Um, the, you know, the, the, that, that magic deflection redirection, it's, he just lost that puck luck. It's not finding its way in. It's finding its way into the goalie's midsection every time. And I think he's lost that magic, and I think it's time to accept, to answer that question, that last year was the anomaly. Um, and, and, you know, with Kreider getting, you know, pure top six t- uh, time and, and all the power play time in the world, 19 goals through 44 games is just not acceptable. Um, and, and yeah. 11 assists, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. You know he, and I, I think you know he's taken a big step back, and you know there is when you have a career year like we talked about, um, you know Fox was after winning the Norris was allowed to take a little step back because that was such an incredible year, and I, and and he's right back up to to that level, I think. Um, Igor, for example, is not playing at the level. I mean, last year was not only a Vesna year, but that was a historical year he had for about three quarters of the season. You know, he was looking uh, to, to break records with the, um, with the save percentage, I think. Um, so, you know, he's allowed to, to regress a little bit, and, and he's coming on better. But, um, you know, so there is some room for regression after 52 goals because obviously 50 goals does not happen very often in a Ranger uniform. But he seems to have regressed too much. And yeah. I think and that's, and that's a problem. I think some of the problem with Kreider is the power play. He's not, the power play is not what it was last year. And, you know, you can say some of that is because he's not scoring on the power play, but um, you know, I, I mean, he was a demon on the power play last year and, and the power play right now is what middling in, in the middle of the league where last year was, you know, well in the top tier uh, of production. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's part of it. Um, what I would say about Igor and, and Fox versus uh, Kreider as far as after a career year, you, you get you get a little bit of a pass the next year. 
Um, I would say not so much when you're a 10-year veteran. Uh, when you're in your first year or two and you have a year like that, yeah, okay, you can say, well, you know, he's going to regress a little bit. But when you're a 10-year veteran, if you do that, then, you know, if you, if you regress back to the mean, then, again, you're right. It, that the, the year he had last year is an outlier. And, uh, you know, early on in the season, he was on a, you know, maybe a 45-goal pace, down to a 40 pace. Now maybe it's about a 35-goal pace. And, you know, you're hoping that, you know, at the end of the season, you don't look up and he's got 28 goals again, which is the, the usual thing that's going on. But to that point, let me ask you guys if you're noticing this as much as I am. Uh, it it seems like hold on, on the power second. play just... and, and even on five on five. Hold on, Glenn. Hold on, Glenn. Hold on, Glenn. Before you go to that, I, I, wanted to, I just wanted to hear okay. Steve's comments on the line changes before we go to that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go no problem. I just, yeah, I, I have a question for you, RP, about, the, about changing other lines, especially at the bottom, sure. because what is the goal of this the scheme by Gallant? I really want to know the answer because, like you said in the tweet, uh, I think it was yesterday, and obviously uh, the Rangers are playing 750 hockey. They won what 15 out of 19, mm-hmm. so yeah, they're they're actually playing pretty well, right? So are they yeah. trying to? Is it more of a showing up the defense? Or is it trying to get more speed, like Scott said, out of the offense? Like, what is the goal? Because I honestly don't know the answer to that. Like, what do you guys – what is your answer to that? I, I think it's more defensive. I, I think I think they're playing sloppy hockey. And, you know, they're beating teams like the Panthers and beating up on teams like Columbus. But when you saw them making the same mistakes against the Boston Bruins, it's a totally different hockey game. It was a totally different hockey game. Those guys, their third line – was probably the best line on the ice, and they were on the Bruins, and I think their third line was better than all four of our lines that night, and that was their third line. And I think what I, what I like about what Gallant's doing, and, I, and I'm not thrilled with the constant line changing, but Gallant isn't being satisfied with the record. He's not looking at it going, well, we're 15-4-2, we're in playoff position, and we're just going to ride it out. I think he's not happy with the team's play, and he's going to keep trying to change things around to make it work. Um, in, in retrospect, Steve, and we were talking about third line, second line, first line, the Lafreniere line had the same amount of ice time as the Trocheck line, which I don't think I've seen most of the season. Beatles line averaged around 15 minutes a game, give or take power play time and, and all of that. Uh, Trocheck had around 14 and change, 15 minutes. So what we call the second and third line, you could say that the Heedle line was the second line in that game. I think the way he has the line set up right now, you can flip-flop Heedle and Trocek's line on a whim and say you're the second line, you're the third line. Or it doesn't matter. Like you remember, Steve, a couple of years ago when the Rangers had four really good solid lines, there was no first, second, third, or fourth. And I, I just think Gallant is not happy. He's definitely not happy with as a five-man unit, their defensive play. They are a sloppy hockey team on defense. They make a lot of better right, passes see. out. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead, because, uh, I didn't see the Boston game live. I had to go back and watch the replay because I, I was away. And when I watched uh, of what happened in that game, it looked like, okay, for what I saw, they got a weird deflection goal in the beginning of the game, like a minute and a half into the game, like a shot from the blue line. Uh, and I think Kacha reflected a, 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 a Krejci uh, goal. That should never have happened. And, and it, to me, it was more about a lack of defense in the middle of the ice, in between the circles. Like, where the hell were the men at? Mm-hmm. And then 
later on, like I think the third game, the third goal that really put him out of the game was the Rangers were coming off a power play, and mm-hmm. it was a lazy pass in the neutral zone that set up a two on one going the other way, put it up three nothing. So I didn't know the ebb and flow of that game. If you could give me the answer, because I didn't watch every shift, so I'm just watching. I'm fa- I'm fast forwarding through it and through the highlights right. of that nature. So what happened? Like, where was the energy? Did, was it the same energy that the Rangers had in that Montreal home game and in the same home game when they played the Capitals? Because it, it, it alludes to my next, uh, uh, you know, playing Toronto next. Like, are we going to get up against the Maple Leafs? Are, are we going to have these letdown games? Or these letdown games are only at home based off these line combinations, lack of defense, no energy? Because that's, that's why, that was my, really my main question for tonight for you guys. Like, and I don't really know, don't know the answer. You know, I want you guys to let me know what's going on. Well, I think, I think the Montreal game was a lazy-ass hockey game. I think it was, they, they did have a lot of shots on goal. Me personally just think they didn't have the – the energy that you expected in that Montreal game. But now if you flip to the Boston game, Boston was just a better team. And you're saying when like, the first goal was a, a deflection. The Bruins earned that deflection. They were deep low in the slot. He got free from yep. the defenseman. He was able to get the stick on the shot. So that kind of deflection, it was an unusual deflection because I think he was on his – he deflected it off his backhand. But he was smart enough to get a stick on the puck because the defenseman wasn't boxing him out. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was an early goal. What was it, like a minute and 40 into the game? Made it one nothing. Right. And then the goal that you just described in the third period was like 38 seconds or 28 seconds into the third period and 3 nothing. So, uh, again, you're coming out flat in a, in a 2 nothing game on a power play. You shouldn't be coming out giving up an early goal at all. And I just think the Bruins, if I wasn't a Ranger fan, that was an incredible hockey game to watch. I was at the Cigar Lounge watching that game and I was telling my buddy, you know, I'm a Ranger fan, so it sucks we're losing three nothing. But and I'm sure you guys agree. If you're just watching that hockey game as a fan, man, the only way the Bruins aren't winning the Stanley Cup is if they beat themselves. They just look good in every area. W- whatever the Rangers are trying to get to, it, the Bruins have it right now. Great in all three zones. They don't play sloppy. They work hard every single shift. They're smart with and without the puck. They have good goaltending. That is where every team in the league wants to be. So to me, the Bruins, and that was something I was going to ask, what do we need to do if we have to play the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final, if we get that far? How do you how do you beat that team with the lineup that we have right now? Because, man, they were dominant. I mean, I never saw they were dominant all three periods. And it wasn't from the Rangers' lack of effort. They were getting shots. A lot of sloppy hockey, though. And, like, uh, Excuse me, like Glenn was saying a little earlier, after we're at the halfway mark of the season and you expect certain things to be established, better defensive setup, better line combinations, and they don't seem to be there. So what do you guys think they need to do to beat a club like Boston four out of seven? Oh, wait. I was going to let Glenn and Scott fire off of that. Glenn? Glenn, Scott, go for it, baby. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I, I mean, I think, I think, I think one word, Igor. Um, uh, short, short of, uh, short of maybe picking up Pasternak at the deadline, um, I think Igor. <laughs> but ser- seriously, I, I, I think that um, you know, one thing. I mean, they're going to have to work harder, forecheck harder, backcheck harder, 
get the puck out of the net quicker. The defense has got to be much better uh, because the Bruins, you know, as you see, they can play any type of game. They've got the speed. They've got the, uh, the size. Uh, they could beat you anyway. And I think that, you know, one of the things the Rangers are going to have to do is try and pick up a, a big, mobile, uh, physical, uh, stay-at-home defenseman to uh, pair up, I guess, with Schneider or however they wind up working it. Because I, I think that's going to be a key, too, is trying to clear that, uh, you know, the, the uh, part of uh, out, front in, uh, out front of Igor uh, in the slot and in the uh, crease areas, because uh, that's where the Bruins really, you know, uh, can kill you with uh, not just tip-ins, but, you know, the way they find a way to cut around defensemen, come around from behind the net. Um, I, I think they're going to need a physical defenseman, but I think there's just going to have to be more of a more of a commitment to defense uh, to beat a team like the Bruins. And I think one thing the Rangers found out on Wednesday night against Boston is they don't want to come in as the second wild card because that's going to be a quick exit out of the playoffs. So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I think that's what they got to do. Right, what do you think, Scott? Um, yeah, I think that they have to hold on to one of those top three spots in the division and not not have to worry about it until the conference finals and hope that uh, Boston gets upset in the first two rounds. Um, that's not answering the question. That's a good deflection. Um just practicing in case I want to run for Congress and <laughs> practice my, you know, evading and dodging questions. But, um <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they actually, I thought they actually played well. In fact, if you look at the, the last two games, um, you know, a 6-2 win over Florida and the 3-1 loss to Boston, I think they actually played well in the Boston game. I think they played better um, of the two games. I mean, Swayman was, was, was just amazing. Uh, in that game, I, don't, I mean, I know he's a good goalie. I don't know if he's that good uh, and just had one of those games. Um, but I've, I was actually content with the way the Rangers played. Not content with the, with the final, but... And, and then I was at the game earlier in the season when I think they were... You know, they were in it for most of it. And I think they lost. They ended up losing 5-2, I think. But they were in it for most of it. And Boston just kind of took it over there toward the end. I don't remember exactly how that weight game went. But they were in it for, for most, I believe. Um... So they're not playing Boston badly. And, and again, I, I, I strongly believe this team's going to make a move. Um, and, 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 and so they're not going to be – they're not going to have the same top six if it comes to a playoff series with them than they have now. I mean, hopefully, because if they do, then we wouldn't even get to Boston. I, I really believe that. Um, uh, right now, I think, I think the Devils could beat us in a series. Um, and I think Carolina can beat us in a series, um, you know, unless we make a serious move. Um, and it's funny, somebody mentioned, uh, I think, Glenn, that was you, Timo Meyer. Yes, I've been big on Patrick Kane all year, but it's only because I didn't do – I mean, yes, I still would like him, but I really do my research and see who else was available in the right-wing market. Um, and I've been hearing his name now thrown around for the past week or so, right-wing, um, was he six one two two ten? I think uh, twenty six years old. San Jose, obviously sellers. So uh, so that's good. He had seventy seven points, I think, last year. Um, you know, on a on a not great San Jose team. So you know, they, this guy's got some potential. So um, and of course, you know, come trading deadline with a name like that. Of course, the Rangers are always you know Rangers, Toronto, Pittsburgh, the usual. You know, always the 
quote unquote top top contender according to unnamed inside sources, blah blah blah. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously the Rangers. I think you know, Drury's got to know that that that, that a top notch, you know, right wing is is top priority here um, for the, for this team. So yeah, I, I think they need to get more physical, and you know, you know, and that does not mean don't misinterpret that. That does not mean missing Ryan Reeves because again, you know, Ryan Reeves, well, you know. Being able to bang guys around, you know, is is a serious just to see. You know, I'm not sure what Boston's fourth line looks like, but I got to assume they are insanely complete, top to bottom. Uh, Joe Micheletti said something the other night that I didn't realize until he said it. He said that Taylor Hall is playing on the third line. Now, what does mm-hmm. that tell you about how good that team is? That Taylor mm-hmm. Hall and, and is playing and on their third line. So, so, and that third line was the best line on the ice that night. That yeah. third line was the best line on the ice that night. And that's amazing. If that's your yeah. third line, so, if you look at their outside and you go, how do, I, how do you compete with that? Yeah. That, that so line, I, they were all over the place. I mean, I don't think they're invincible. I think that we've seen better teams than that uh, – you know, not win the Stanley Cup. Uh, we've seen better teams like that go out in the first round. You know, over over, over history. So you you know, it, come Stanley Cup playoffs, nobody is, is invincible, and and nobody right. is better. You know, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, they're obviously not invincible, but um, they they are. I think they're one of the better teams running away with the league. I mean, last year, you know, I had my doubts about Florida from day one uh, because of their defense and goaltending, and that's obviously caught up to them this year. I know they're a slightly different team, and they have had some injuries, but their defense and goaltending definitely caught up to them. That's the thing I've said that kept uh, the Capitals down for about 10 straight years. Uh, This is a little different situation because they do have the defense and goaltending, and they are complete top to bottom, so I think they're one of the better teams uh, that are far and away the the, the one seed in the league than we've seen in a long time. But, um, you know, nobody's nobody's invincible, and I I think – it would start with, with getting, finding that fourth line, finding that continuity, that, you know, combination of hitting and being able to play and put the occasional puck in the net like like I thought we had for about two weeks before they inexplicably started playing around with that line and putting Brzezinski on waivers. So who knows? But I think if, if we're going to beat a team like, a, like Boston or, or any team, because once you get to the playoffs, everything becomes physical and everything becomes banging and wearing people down, no matter who you play, but specifically a team like Boston, um, it, it, I think it's going to start from the, from the ground up. I think it's going to start from the fourth line up in a, in a fourth line that, you know, hits people obviously and has that chemistry and, 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 and can chew up time and, and wear guys down, but, you know, also give the goalie the, the occasional test and, and, and put one, put one in occasionally. Um, I, you know, I love Gutierrez in that role. Uh, he, he's, he's become one of my favorite players on the team. You know, I always, I've always been a fan of the, uh, you know, the more thumper, like, you, you know, before Brendan Lemieux, uh, I, I, you know, Brandon Prust when, when he was here was, uh, was one of my favorite players on the team, Dan Boyle, you know, I've always liked the, uh, you know, I've always shied away from, from like a guy like Panarin getting his jersey or whatnot. Cause I'm always like the more meat and potatoes guy. And, I, and that's what Gutierrez is. And, um, you know, I thought we had a, a, a good uh, line combination for him, but they keep playing around with it. So, 
if, 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 if whether it's Boston or whoever it is, if this team's going to go anywhere in the playoffs, a get that top notch right wing. But I think they need to solidify and find a fourth line that works. Um, or like I said, they had one. You, you know, but, but keep a fourth line together that that everybody's happy with. I guess it would be the better way to phrase it, and build up from there because we know. We know what we have in the top. You know, we we know what we have in our kid line in the third. If if they're you know if we get a top notch right wing, um, you know that might keep the kid line together. I don't know. I'm a big supporter of keeping that kid line together. They are just so dynamic. I'm, uh, you know, they were the best. They were our third line, and they were our best line in the playoffs. Um, you know, again, I know that at least two, if not all three, of those guys are destined for top six. Um, I get that, but for right now, for what this team is. You know, get another top six guy and keep that line together because they are just so energetic, so dynamic. They make something happen uh, every time. And for the love of God, get them more power play time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, again, to finish that thought on the power play yeah. that I said before, that's that, that, that Zabanajad one-timer, yes, it scored last night, but it's not effective. Teams are onto it. Goalies are, 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 are as soon as they see that pass, Lee Panarin stick, goalies are flying over to the right side. Um, and, a lot, and, and they're not going in. Kreider is not as effective in front of the net. Uh, he's lost that, that, that deflection and, 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 and you know, that, that sloppy rebound, uh, all of that magic. Yeah, he'll still get the occasional one, but those are the only two ways, pretty much, that those – that that first line scores on that power play and they're onto it. Let the second line, they, you know, in the minimal time that they get, I think they have three goals this year uh, on the power play. And that's considering how minimal playoff, uh, uh, how minimal power play time they get. That's impressive. They are so quick and dynamic and nobody knows what to expect. Whereas they know what to expect out of that top line. Panarin's one timer, Kreider in front of the net. That's it. That's all they have. And everybody's onto it. Let that second line get a full minute. And I, I, I think that's, that's, that's where they're at. I think. And Steve, mm-hmm. what do you think about uh, playing the upper tier teams right now? That's why I'm looking forward to seeing that game versus the Maple Leafs. That's a test. I want to see how they do against uh, a team like the Maple Leafs who have a lot to play for, for obvious reasons, um, not because of their regular season, but we all know their their history uh, in the playoffs or recent history in the playoffs because their thing is about getting to the playoffs, but they got to get through their regular season as well. And they're a test, and they're chasing Boston in that division. Um. So uh, let me go back to the Boston uh, point you're making as far as how they're playing this year. Um, and, and it's a nice thing as far as we all know about, you know, the team that has the best record or have the most points, you know, President's Trophy recipients. But if we really look at this in a vacuum, right, guys, I mean, we haven't really seen a President's Trophy winner in the NHL since the Blackhawks, and that was in the strike, the lockout year. So that doesn't really count. They didn't play a full schedule. The real – President's Trophy winner hasn't been since the Red Wings in 08. So, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. You already know how this all works, guys. Uh, you you could be you have a flawless, a fantastic regular season. Shit, the team we played last night had a a monster regular season last year. But we knew that they run into the wrong opponent. <laughs> you can be out just like that. I know they had circumstances with the head coach leaving early last year, but, you know, they ran into the wrong opponent. And that's how it is in the NHL or in sports in general, but in hockey especially, because you run into the wrong opponent and they're playing their best hockey at the right time. It doesn't matter if you got 
80 points, 150 points through 82 games, you could get clipped off in the second round easily. So Boston may look good right now. Uh, and to our credit, we're not playing our best hockey. And like you said, RP, uh, in the tweet and over the last 20, we've actually kind of whole serve. We let one get, it, get away versus the Devils. We should have won that game. Right? At the Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, after yeah. uh, coming back from Montreal, after wrong. that Montreal game Scott was at, right? And then um, you look at the game, you know, that letdown game versus Montreal at home. Okay, you could say you let them have it or whatever, but, um, okay, Boston probably weren't played a more complete game and so did Washington. But outside of that, the Rangers kind of hold serve. So my actually my question to you, RP, and it actually goes to about playing Boston, whoever's a top-tier team, I don't have any self-doubt about the general manager getting the pieces after what he did last year at the trade deadline to shore up four lines. Uh, or do you have the confidence that – uh, Drury's going to get it done. I do. I, you know, whatever pieces he may think it may be, whether it's going to be just right winger, is it going to be just uh, somebody on the bottom line to solidify a playoff run. With your thoughts, RP, on that? Because I think that's kind of where I think I think where Ranger fans are pretty much alluding to. What are your thoughts on that? I don't have a doubt that he can make the moves. I think he's really got his hands tied with the salary cap to make a trade. Unlike last year, but either top unrestricted free agents or rental players at the end of the deadline or just a trade for the future of the team, you're going to have to give up some current roster players. And, you know, when you look at the Rangers lineup, who are you going to trade? You know, with like with the moves now with Blaze, Blaze's contract is still in the salary cap. So for the two weeks, the Rangers now will have less money available at the trade deadline. It was around estimated to have around $7 million but because of this move, they're going to have only about $5 million with the way the, the routes are set now. So if you go and you trade for um, the guy Meyer that everybody's talking about, which personally I don't see how they're going to do, he's guaranteed a qualifying offer of $10 million. The Rangers won't be able to fit him in a salary cap next year with $10 million. Yeah. So why would you trade for that guy and then not be able to make him a qualifying offer? And, I, you know, I've been seeing a lot of fans saying, go after him, go after him, trade, do whatever you got to do. But he's not going to take anything less than $10 million. And he's restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and the arbitrator's going to award him that because that's what his qualifying offer is. So where do you fit him in? Do you go after a, the continuing rumor of Patrick Kane as a rental player? Well, you're going to have to trade first-round picks, or current roster players to pick up a rental player that you don't even know is going to stay here after next year. And where do you fit him in this lineup? So there's a lot of questions. It's not just about making a trade. It's where the player fits, where you fit him in with the cap, and what the future mm-hmm. with that player is coming over. So mm-hmm. the Rangers are really tied when it comes to that. They have a lot of big contracts. They have a lot of players with no-move contracts. The only surefire players that you could think about moving based on contracts is going to be a good row or someone off the kid line. And now if we're also confident, I'm, I'm, I think Hedo's totally untouchable right now for all the reasons that Scott and Glenn have said throughout the night. I think Hedo could be playing on the second line if the kid line isn't considered the second line right now. So Trocek, I think, has a no-move clause. I, I, was, I forgot. I looked at it earlier today, but I don't remember or no move cause. So who off this current roster are you going to move that's making substantial money to open up the salary cap issue? 
the entire kid line right now, I think, is on entry-level contracts with the exception of Heedle. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know how he makes a lot of these big moves that everybody's looking for and fit him into the cap. So he may not be able to make that big, big move unless he trades someone that's on the team that you don't want to see go. So it's not that he can't. He's definitely capable of making moves to make this team better. But what is it going to cost you now? What is it going to cost you next year? They're just they're, they're salary cap and, and they're no trade contracts and, and all of that. It's just they have some, you know, if you go on cap friendly, guys, the Rangers have some huge contracts. And they're going to be here for a long time. So I don't know. I don't want to say that they can't do it. I just think that it's a lot harder than the average fan, you know, thinks they can do it. I mean, right now they have five million dollars at, at at the trade deadline, but you know, got an eighty-one million dollar cap. It the, the contract's ridiculous when you're looking at it. You know, and yeah, that's it. Trocheck has a no-move contract. Goodrill has a, a, a modified no-trade clause. As does Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, Truva, Fox. I mean, well, Fox doesn't. You're not going to move Fox. You're not going to move. It, it, no one coming off the defense is, is the issue. So anybody, the only people that you're going to look at that could possibly be moved in a trade is going to be someone off the kid line. So now you have to ask yourself, is that improving the team? I always say when you make a trade, you want to be better than when you made the trade. You don't want to be even or at the same level just to get a different player. I don't know if they're capable of doing that right now. You know, Capo Caco has got $2 million for the next two years. He's a restricted free agent. Keto's got $2.3 million and then 2024, at the end of that season, he's a restricted free agent. Their, their contracts are, you know, you might have to move a Sammy Blaze to, to save $1.5 million, but what can you get for him right now? He hasn't scored a goal as a Ranger. He'll get 55 games played, and I know he's not the goal scorer, but I also don't think he is playing where the Rangers thought he'd be playing when they traded Pichlevich for him. So I think it's really hard to make that big move right now, Steve, to, to answer your question. He can do it, but, but who do you move? Who do you move to make it worthwhile? Who do you make a move to give you – last year they got Kopp and they got uh, Vetrano and, and these other guys. How do they fit that in now without giving away guys that they want to keep for the future? Mm-hmm. It's a real bad spot they're in. So no that, one to hold them. No one to hold them. Down, yeah, well, they, they they played that hand last year with those signings. You know, another reason right. why they traded Reeves is he had another million and a half coming and they had to move the cap. You know, the right, cap right, had right. everything to do, and, and, and he wasn't playing. So we were just going to have to wait and see where things shake out with that. Now, really quick, because I know we'll probably run out of time here, Steve. Uh, why don't we go through some final thoughts and Anything you guys want to talk about around the league? Scott, you want to take off on that? Uh, sure. I will use my around the league. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, and I'm fine with, you know, if it's a rental, it's a rental. We we knew that the guys we were getting last year were rentals. And the good news is it didn't cost us anything, really, Um so that was, you know, low risk, high reward there, but you saw how close it got us. So if we do trade for, for a Timo Meyer, and it, 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 I'm okay with him being a rental as long as it doesn't cost us much. Like, you know, I've said before, I'm fine with any prospect not named Brendan Ottman. 
Um, and that probably <laughs> inc- in- includes, uh, you know, Collier was getting his start. Um, yeah, you know, but as far as the, um, you know, the, the core, I don't want to, you know, tap into the core here. But, um, you know, so if Drury can work some magic like that, then I'm fine with Meyer um, if it's only a rental. Um, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting deadline. Um, as for uh, around the league, um, I'll point out some, some good news we can all get behind. Um, obviously, nobody's, uh, well, some teams are eliminated, but uh, we're a little too early to pop the champagne on the Islanders just yet, but they have won <laughs> one game in their last 10 <laughs> and are fading real fast, you know, with teams like Carolina and the Devils and now hope, and hopefully the Rangers who uh, look to start separating themselves from the pack here. And I think Washington and Pittsburgh, of course, are going to stick around. I, I, I think Washington – I just don't see it for them. Uh, I, I think they're going to hold on for a while. Maybe they get a wild card. I don't see them as a legit contender, possibly dropping out of the uh, the playoff race completely. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, uh, the Islanders have won one game in the last 10, and, you know, we said at the beginning of the season, if you don't make the playoffs the year before, you cannot not change anything and actually they did change something they got rid of the best coach in the, in the game <laughs> so you yeah. can't not improve on a non-playoff team and hope to make the playoffs next year so i think you know they they were flirting around with uh you know with a low-level playoff team but i i think it's uh gonna start to play it is starting to implode for them and i think with the other teams you know this is the part of the season when the playoff teams start to uh you know, separate themselves. So, again, not popping the champagne, but it has been a very good, uh, you know, all-star break and, you know, beyond for, uh, you know, Islanders haters such as ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And for for my final, final thoughts, I guess, you know, Steve, we were chatting about this earlier, so I'll say it out loud. Uh, I know Glenn Glenn is always interested in TV recommendations. Uh, HBO has got a new show called The Last of Us. It started two weeks ago. And it is based on uh, a couple video games, which I've played repeatedly and very good fan of. Um, and typically, the video game uh, does not transfer into a movie or a show very well. But this one, since, you know, HBO, uh, you know it's going to be top quality. It's fantastic. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a post-apocalypse, uh, Walking Dead-ish kind of thing. But, but that's where the comparisons end. Um, it, it's... It's a very, very good story. I said, I remember playing the games, uh, you know, five, ten years ago that I said, this, this would make a phenomenal movie. Um, so there are uh, two episodes into that on H for anybody who has HBO Max. It's very, very good. Um, Steve, you, you did finish the first episode? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say that on my final thoughts, man. You way to steal my thunder. <laughs> I was going to oh, say, so, well, I'll say it on my final thoughts. I did watch episode number one, and then I'm gonna watch another one uh, after the conclusion of the show. After get off Twitter. Uh, very, very good. Thank you. And uh, what you got for Scott? What? What's that? Final thoughts? Oh, uh, that's. I guess that's it. That's my oh, final sorry, thoughts. I uh, I'm sorry. I uh, got gotten good confused again. My, my bad, brother. My bad. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, Islanders are trash. Last of Us is not. That's it. That's what I got. Good night. <laughs> That's a great way to end it. I love that. What do you got for us, Glenn? 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, just to close out the Timo Meyer thing, I mentioned him because he's been in the news the last couple of weeks, but that's really kind of a pipe dream, and it's uh, kind of a timing issue too. If it was next year, when uh, you know that we will uh, increase by three or four million, then maybe you might be able to make enough moves to fit him in. But he's going to cost a lot, and there's going to be teams that have more cap space than the Rangers do. Uh, who are going to be looking to pick them up as well. So, I mean, from a Rangers standpoint, I have faith in Drury to know what this team needs and, and, and what he'll be able to do. But I think as a deadline, you know, we're probably either looking at something more like, you know, second-tier kind of guys like he, he got last year with Cop and Vetrano to, to fit in certain spots. Um, I mean, I think Kane is a possibility because he'll he'll come cheaply. You might be able to get him more with draft picks and, and prospects. Maybe they're interested in Zach Jones. Maybe they're interested in Kraftsoff. So, I mean, I think Kane is a possibility because you could get him. Uh, he's not having the greatest season. So, you know, you wonder if, uh, you know, he's just starting to decline or if he needs a change of scenery. But, um, you know, we'll see again. We'll have time to talk about that. What I would say around the league, again, like Scott was saying, is, you know, we're, it, it's early and things can happen, but we're starting to see a little separation in uh uh, at least the Eastern Conference. Um, I think Pittsburgh and Washington are still going to hang around too. And when you look around at uh, outside the, the the five teams in the Metro and, and Boston, Toronto, and Tampa in the Atlantic, and you look at the other teams that are on the periphery, uh, you kind of wonder if teams like the Islanders, uh, Buffalo, Florida, you know, you look at Florida and you say, you know, how can they reverse what, what's going on there right now? So, it looks like the Eastern Conference is starting to shape up uh, how it's going to work out for playoff time. Over in the West, I mean, you got about nine or ten teams maybe for eight spots you, between Edmonton and Calgary. But I think the, the team to uh, kind of look at right now is, is the Seattle Kraken. I mean, wow, they, they are hanging in there. They're a point behind Vegas with two games at hand. They have the same amount of points as the Rangers do. And, uh, you know, I, I keep waiting week by week for them to, you know, drop four in a row and kind of fall out of it. And they're just hanging in there somehow. So, um, you know, it, it, I think it's a great story. Uh, you know, it's not quite at the level of the uh, uh, Golden Knights, but, you know, they're right on the tail of the Golden Knights this year uh, who seem to be kind of, you know, falling back to earth a little bit. So, uh, uh, you know, I think the uh, we're starting to – see the separation of the haves and the have-nots. It's still a little early, uh, but when you look at the teams that are on the outside looking in, uh, you know, you don't really have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to put something together, put a rush together to, to get themselves in. So, uh, again, that's my final thoughts, but we'll, we'll talk about that week by week as we go on. Nice. And, Steve, what you got for us? Yeah, man, I don't have nothing much around the league. I'll look at the rest of this week before the NHL All-Star uh, break down in Florida. Um, listen, big games uh, at Toronto tomorrow, of course, and then, like uh, like Glenn just mentioned, uh, Vegas on Friday at home. I would like to get at least two out of four, if not four out of four uh, points heading into um, All-Star weekend because uh, Scott kind of alluded to the thunder that he stole from me, right? Because if we lose both these games <laughs> – we're definitely going to see Ranger Twitter look like the first scene of The Last of Us first episode <laughs> when shit was going crazy. That's going to be Ranger Twitter, The Last of Us first episode, Scott. <laughs> it's going to be nothing but chaos. 
if we need the next two games, especially before the NHL All-Star break? Oh, no. And, and, and one more thing. Oh, no. um, the division is kind of almost is shaping up how we thought it would have been, except that cog called the New Jersey Devils are in our way. That's the only thing. Like, we should be where they are right now, and everything was kind of according to plan. But outside of that, RP, Scott, Glenn, Blee Blue, I'll see you next Tuesday. We're Scott. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.